Play psycho killer? Can I be the helpless victim? Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. I am the eater of wood. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever, episode number 113, Are You Afraid of the Dark, season 2, episode 2, The Tale of the Midnight Madness. Hello everyone, I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode three of the greatest October in the history of forever. We are just rolling right along. We've done Pet Cemetery horns. Now we're doing Are You Afraid of the Dark? We're really just crushing it right now. Really? We should have done like a little performance art piece for this episode where we somehow like are talking about something completely random. Like, oh, I'm going to do like an Are You Afraid of the Dark marathon later. And then you're like, well, sometimes... When you're doing Are You Afraid of the Dark Marathons? And then that somehow leads into it being the episode. And then we look at each other when you say something chilling. Well, I mean, I think you should explain what you're talking about. Yeah, just like the wraparound stories for the Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes. Where like somehow these kids had not predetermined conversations about 
how they were going to lead into the story, but it always felt that way. Some kid shows up with a watch that day that his dad gave him, and he's talking about it showing the other kids. And then the last kid shows up and says, yeah, but watches aren't always what you think they are. And that brings me to tonight's story. (laughs) Yeah, you're talking about the Midnight Society wraparound parts of the episodes for Are You Afraid of the Dark? The kids themselves, you have Gary, Kristen, Betty Ann, Kiki, David, Frank. We're talking about the first two seasons at least with those kids. Some future stars on the show. They're (laughs) unbearable. Yeah, they're terrible. Uh, Rachel Blanchard, though, future actress on Real Things. Yeah, she was Kristen. Yeah. I will give them credit, though, for... The way that they support each other and put each other's stories over and act like the stories are so great and scary. Yeah, you would not fare in this crew, we feel. (laughs) Yeah, they would get done telling the story and be like, that That story was ass. (laughs) That was terrible. That was not scary at all. (laughs) That story was the opposite of scary. You should be ashamed of yourself. I will say, though, it is like, I mean... I would not have fared well for just going out in the woods at this age. It seems like they're going pretty deep into the woods at night. I feel like I would have creeped myself out pretty good. Get Especially if you're walking out there by yourself. I'd be like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do this. Yeah, the creation of the Midnight Society is kind of always left vague. I mean, supposedly these kids are from like different schools in the area. And this is a secret location in the woods at night. They swap these scary stories. I just think it's kind of crazy that Nickelodeon was having a show on the air where kids were starting fires and then putting their own fires out. Yeah, and really like a show designed to scare children. Well, that I I don't really think is that big of a deal. No, but I will say, I mean, it's like... They're not scary. Well, most... I, there's a couple... I'll have to, I have to tell you this. I mean, I watched this episode that we're doing this on when I was a kid and was legitimately scared by it. Which yeah, that's ha- true. It's hard there's to a couple now. There's a couple it. that are are kind of scary for kids. And this probably is one of them because the appearance of that fake Nosferatu Oh yeah. is pretty terrifying. I can for remember like standards. Just being up scared of it. Even like the idea of him the vampire biting the manager's neck and everything. I don't know. It just it really actually did freak me out when I was a kid. Yeah, but most of them, I think, even for kids, are not scary at all. But there's a few. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I will say there is probably a few. And this being one of them that I guess has a little bit of extreme imagery for children. But I just think, in a practical, litigious sense, really yeah. having kids starting fires and putting them out, and just the way that they're acting, like... In this episode in particular, it ends with... It just feels like... I get. It seems like they're supposed to be like middle school-aged kids, right? Is that kind of the... Or do you think yeah, they're high school? Yeah, maybe like early high school. It just feels like these kids have a lot of freedoms. At the end of this episode, two characters that weren't planning on going to a midnight movie all of a sudden are in possession of tickets, and they're just like, yeah, we're going to go to a movie Oh, right, now. yeah. We do whatever we want. <laughs> we don't need to ask anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to get a ride there. I mean, yeah. Now, it, it is, is Canada, crazy. which should be pointed out. It's filmed in Canada. I don't think it's necessarily set in Canada. Well, there's no crime there, as we know. <laughs> we had a lot of discussion about which episode we were going to pick and we watched a bunch and we selected this one because 
it's kind of a subject matter near and dear to our own hearts, really. Yeah. And I did feel like of all the ones we watched, now I this one was one that scared me when I was a kid, so I have that like connection with it, but also I just think of all the ones we watched, it seemed like we were able to get a lot of fun conversation going over this one more so than some of the the other episodes. So this particular story is a Frank story. Frank who could very well be Frank from Donnie Darko. Kind of a similar vibe to me. I would me. say, yeah. <laughs> he's kind of a... He's kind of like the Dean Portman of the group. Yeah, he's like, like a rougher, around-the-edges type guy. Why he hangs out with these nerds telling horror stories, we don't know. It is kind of similar to an episode we did recently on Camp Nowhere where we talked about how we didn't understand how these kids were friends. And I get that same vibe from the Midnight Society. It is just a random assortment of people. Right, and I do think it is actually supposed to be the point, though, a little bit that, like, however this society, (laughs) this group of people came to be, I don't really think that they do hang out much outside of this. Now, how do you think they... (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to make a joke now. (laughs) Please. I like whenever we, you have to preface to a joke yeah. by saying I'm going to make a right. joke. Now. Well, there's I do times. understand yeah. that in certain episodes, they do actually show you how they induct new members. Now, having said that, how do you think they induct new <laughs> members into this group? <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's like an eyes wide shut type situation to get into the Midnight Society? Well, it's like, like people wearing masks yeah. and then there's an just orgy. nude people right. around the fire. Yeah. <laughs> or do you think it's like a random doctors are showing up and they're saying, stop with your inquiries. It's like a fraternity or sorority hazing. It's like Gary's just like walking around with like this big paddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It gets into some really weird psychosexual stuff out there in the woods. I definitely think there's a lot of things on the table. I mean, they. it does seem like a potential like Satan worship group i mean just a bunch of weird kids out in the woods yeah i mean we were just watching another movie where a bunch of quasi witches were running around nude around a fire and it's yeah what is it with witches and being nude around a fire they have all the fun (laughs) so anyway the midnight society meeting this is early season two by this point, the show had been pretty well established. This was something that you watched regularly in its first initial run on uh, Nickelodeon? I wouldn't say regularly. I mean, it was part of the SNCC lineup right. at a certain point that Saturday night. I think this was a co-production between Nickelodeon and Canada's YTV. Okay. And I do think it aired a little earlier in Canada than it did in the U.S. It didn't debut in the U.S. until like August of 92. And I think it had already been on in Canada for a while. Okay. I don't know what the the SNCC lineup in 92 was looking like. Yeah, well, I certainly wasn't watching it in 92. I was probably more around like 94, 95. Right. The um, first run of the show, I think, lasted from 92 to 96. And then I probably saw a lot of the episodes in syndication on Nickelodeon, like the daytime reruns, probably more around like 97, 98. Yeah. Just after school or whatever, you know, that time period. I definitely watched this show a lot in the 90s, but it's one of those things that I have a real hard time remembering. After That's that, the real horror, people. It's funny because... Yeah, <laughs> Your own memory when it betrays you. It is like an every 10 years thing for me with this show because, yeah, there was probably like, you know, 96, 97, 98, I would just watch it like after school or whatever, like when they just show daytime reruns of it or whatever and saw a lot of episodes that way. You know, the whole time period in the 2000s when you couldn't... Early on... It's not like you could just easily go back. Like, not everything was on DVD. You couldn't, like, find everything like you can now. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
it was right around 2008 actually yeah where my friend dustin and i watched like almost the whole series on dvd and it was kind of like a similar thing that where it's just like a potential bootleg situation that was just bought off ebay right it had to be i mean i don't it was just like all these discs with like printed on <laughs> labels yeah but we watched almost all of them and that time through i mean sure i wasn't like watching episodes of like oh these are so great but i had like a lot more nostalgia at that point for my memories of a kid watching it mm-hmm. now another 10 years later it just feels like horrible <laughs> unwatchable yeah it's funny because as we were watching these handful of episodes to try to pick one to do for our podcast, I was reminded of how Goosebumps, the television series, debuted well after Are You Afraid of the Dark? And it seemed like a competitor show. The less than version, maybe, though. Yeah. yeah. So what I was saying was I re- always remember Goosebumps being awful compared right, right. to Are You Afraid yes. of the Dark, like a lesser version. And I can't imagine... How bad that actually was, because this was straight up trash, most of these episodes. (laughs) Most of these Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes were borderline unwatchable. Now, granted, we've only been watching from the first three seasons, so I think there's a lot of (laughs) I think there's a lot of optimism, uh, you know, amongst the members of this show that it gets better in the later seasons. I don't know if I agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I ever have seen the later versions. Yeah. I can't remember. The ones without even the my, main cast that we see yeah. now. Oh, I definitely saw, well, you know, I watched pretty much all of it again 10 years ago, but the later cast has Alicia Cuthbert. Well, those didn't air initially on Nickelodeon until 99, 2000, and I definitely was well, not watching right. at that point. I can't even believe Are You Afraid of the Dark was still running on Nickelodeon in the year 2000. That's pretty Well, it nuts. stopped, and they brought it back. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. It was 92 to 96 and then 99 and 2000. Oh, so it, there was that much of a gap. Yeah, it was the first show that they ever brought, brought back. back. And then they went on to do it with like Double Dare and I think maybe a couple other things. But oh, Are wow. You Afraid of the Dark was their first reboot for Nickelodeon. Holy cow, yeah. <laughs> new cast, new writers, right. new directors, like new everything for the new version. Although they probably kept the same intro, I would imagine. Which is a great intro. Yes. The, the intro is more creepy than probably like almost all of the episodes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. It certainly, that hit me with the most nostalgia when we rewatched some of these. There was like a little bit here and there, things I would kind of remember. But that intro, yeah, that's definitely ingrained on me. Oh, yeah. That weird like clown toy in the attic. Yeah. And even just like the ending with like the match lighting and everything and the title coming yeah, up. It's good. So the tale of the Midnight Madness is a Frank story. It starts with the group, the Midnight Society showing up. Kiki and David have tickets to something called Fright Night at the Majestic Theater. And here we Theater. go with the setup. Yeah, because how did Frank know that Kiki and David were going to be showing up? And Frank is like, I've been to Fright Night before and I'm never going back. Yeah, they always got to play it coy with whatever someone's excited about. Like, maybe you should not be excited about this. (laughs) Of course, this all turns out to be a long con in the end. He says something to the effect Which really, you know, just shows the brilliance of Frank. Yeah. I mean, he's this is quite a scheme. (laughs) Just to get free tickets to Fright Night thing where it's supposed to be three movies in a row, I think. I don't know. That's nuts. Frank says, you sit in that movie theater for so long that you forget the real world even exists. The only thing that seems real is the horror movie up on the screen. And then that prompts Kiki and David to look at each other. Like, oh, no. Like, oh, wow. Where is this going? (laughs) But in all fairness, 
I wanted to know where it was going. I would be a little bit freaked out if every time I showed up to this fucking thing in the woods and I was talking about something, the person that was going to be telling a story <laughs> that night just so happened to have a story like that related to what right. I was talking about. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There had to be like some phone calls to like, you know what will really freak out the rest of the Midnight Society tonight? <laughs> My story <laughs> has to do, you know, I need you to do this little performance art piece that'll set up my story yeah and those were all calls on house phones too no cell phones no texting this info a lot of busy signals (laughs) so frank launches into the story it's taking place at an old style movie theater we see that one person is there watching the movie that's on the screen and you get like a real the shape of water vibe from this theater oh yeah it's one of those grand old style theaters where the Screen is up on a stage. Huge balcony up top, completely yeah. unnecessary. It's back when theaters were legitimately cool. It is a cool place. You don't really see a lot of them around anymore. I'm no. sure some still exist. Yeah, but I know of one. Yeah, the last one I think around here was a porn theater, which is closed. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know. What I was never was inside there, so I don't know what it was like. Okay. But yeah, the outside looked that. like this. Yeah. <laughs> this theater seems to have two employees and then an a manager and just a great job this is like my dream job to work not in a movie theater kind of that's like my second dream job but just to work at a place that no one ever comes to yeah and it's a friday night and they've made six bucks and the girl katie makes the comment six bucks is a good night oh yeah and she's all about reusing the cups that <laughs> yeah, the one customer used kind of a weird and thing it, what's the dude's name pete pete one of those few, Pete, few Pete. black men in America named Pete. Yeah, probably. that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, been watching The Wire a lot recently. Not a lot of Pete's in the towers and stuff on that show. <laughs> I think Pete is kind of like, oh, ha ha, like when she's like, yeah, let's just reuse these cups, and then she just like puts it back in the stack to use. <laughs> well, she does that later too with like right. the popcorn yeah. thing. And it's, <laughs> she's all all about like it's kind of disgusting yes. that they're just reusing right. things at this now theater. the girl I, I do kind of feel like she has a who's the the actress that we like from the duff and scott pilgrim may whitman yeah I, I feel like she has a little bit of a may whitman vibe this girl's way cuter than may whitman. oh poor may whitman <laughs> this theater because of how it's called the rialto the rialto is in constant threat of being shut down due to total lack of interest on the part of everyone in this city <laughs> right and Pete is kind of obsessed with trying to keep it going. Katie, meanwhile, is applying at a multiplex in the area. Katie's can't wait to get out. Pete, I don't know if she can't wait to get out. She's just being more realistic. Yeah. She doesn't have the same love and affection that Pete has for the theater. But is Pete's love for the theater, is it 100% love for the theater, or is it kind of masking something else? Well, he's definitely into Katie, and he makes an early move here where he asks her if she wants to go get something to eat, and she's just like, no, yeah. <laughs> I have to go study or what something a, like that. A reaction, yeah, that I've certainly experienced in my lifetime. Yeah, as you pointed out while we were watching, just so direct, straight to the point. It's <laughs> just like, oh, no. Yeah, it jumps out <laughs> yeah. at you because it's it's definitely not something that you see a lot in movies and TV. Whenever you get the rejection for a date, it's usually a more easy letdown. Or more of an excuse first kind of a thing. Right. She gives an excuse, but she says no first, which yeah. is funny. And it reminds me of that guy asking Lisa P out in Adventureland where she's just like, oh, yeah. that's okay, right. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> which is a great part in that movie. 
Pete, like we said, is living for this theater, but it's also his connection to Katie, who he's clearly into. And he's making flyers, trying to drum up business. Oh, he's pursuing landmark desperate. status. I mean, that's nuts. That he's going to the point. He's going down to like town hall and is like, "Can we get this place to clear to landmark?" <laughs> All that's going to do is make it so that they can't tear the building down. It's right. not going to necessarily keep the business, keep the business going. <laughs> It's like, I don't understand what he thinks would happen. Right. If the owner's like, no, we're not operating this anymore because we're losing money, then it still would close. Pete's they like, just wouldn't tear the building down. But it's down. a landmark. <laughs> the next night, or the next time we see it, I, you know, who knows how much time's passed. It, it's clear that his flyers and stuff aren't really working because there's still only like one person seeing the movie or whatever. And, and the uh, same woman who is always there. Right. And so, I guess some night... Pete comes in. It's I guess this is actually right before they're going to open, and a shadow starts approaching from the outside, and there's a knock on the door. They keep yelling, we're not open yet. The blah, lock blah, blah. starts turning. Yeah. This is like the movie Fear with Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> in comes Dr. Vink with a va-va-va. Yeah. Yellow teeth, beard, wild gray hair. And a, this is not... He's a creepy character The a first bit. appearance of Dr. Vink right. on Are You Afraid of the Dark. Yes. He appeared in the first episode of the show. Because some of the characters from the Midnight Society will reuse some of their characters in various stories. In yeah. fact, I think... I don't know what season it's in, but one of the characters at one point uses one of the other characters' character <laughs> in one of their own stories. All right. Well, so that's creative. One of those things, yeah. Like I said, there was two runs of this show on Nickelodeon, 92 to 96, 99 to 2000, 91 total episodes, which is way more than I would have thought. And in the original run, each member of the Midnight Society had a distinct personality and a notable trend in their storytelling. And a few of the people, as you said, had recurring characters. Right. Dr. Vink is Frank's recurring character. This whole kind of style, though, was mostly abandoned in the second run where it kind of was just random of who would tell what stories and what they would be about. Oh, well, that's less fun. Yeah, I think if you actually really want to get into it, you can look into the themes that each of the characters usually stuck with. All right. I think Gary was very into, like, magic stuff. and Gary. (laughs) Gary is just such a nerd. Gary is the one character that I always associate with the show and kind of prevented me as a child from really liking it. Well, Gary, I mean, because his... The ongoing story of the Midnight Society is Gary, like, passes the torch to his brother Tucker, which stinks. Well, eventually uh, Gary... You, you know, needed to get on with his life. Yeah. <laughs> Go to college, <laughs> I, I guess. I got to stop inducting people into this weird society. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but comes back later for the epic multi-episode run, The Tale of the Silver Sight, which we've got Gary and Tucker in the cast, the rest of the Midnight Society, trying to solve something. Yeah, that was the fourth wall breaking one where quote reality was those characters and it didn't go to like a story that yeah they were telling. right yeah that was kind of fun that was in the last season okay so dr vink he comes in to the rialto he's going crazy over the theater he's brought one of pete's flyers in his hands katie calls him a nutbag which which later, happens to dr vink yeah which later, he's not in the room when it happens, but then later he says, I'm not a nutbag, as if responding to it, as if he heard it. And that is like one of his recurring bits, which is, it's for kids. Yeah, <laughs> come on. So he's come to save the Rialto. 
to Mr. Kristoff, the manager of the Rialto, he says, and it won't cost you a dime. Turns out Dr. Vink is a filmmaker, or at least he used to be, and he wants to show a, a film of his in the Rialto, now, a silent was, uh, black and white vampire film. Who was funding these Dr. Vink experimental films? Whoever made movies back in those silent era. I mean, right. in the 90s, you're talking about at least like, what, 60 years? Okay, yeah. That's There's true. no way that the actor who plays Dr. Vink was actually old enough to be making silent black and white movies. Because as we'll you. find yes. out, this vampire movie that's unique because in his film, The Vampire Wins in the End, it's based off of the real movie Nosferatu by F.W. Murnau, which came out in 1922. Yeah. I, you're assuming Are <laughs> You Afraid of the Dark takes place in present day, so you're, this is like the 90s. This guy, Dr. Vink, is old, but he's not like... So this would have been my early glimpse at Nosferatu. He wouldn't even have been old enough to be alive when Nosferatu came out, let alone old enough to have made the movie Nosferatu. <laughs> like, it just so doesn't make any sense, but... Was Nosferatu, like, public domain? Yes, okay. which we'll get to that. So that's a little foreshadowing. Dr. Vink promises if they show this film in the Rialto, the theater will thrive beyond their wildest imaginations. And all Dr. Vink wants in return is that when this happens, he will have one night of the week as his own at the theater to show his other films. Kristoff, who's kind of this stereotypical like New York, kind of like, hey, tough guy kind <laughs> of guy. Deals. He agrees to the deal and he shakes on it and then yeah. Vink vanishes. I mean, he'll take anything at this point. The theater is desperate. Le- well, yeah, closing. But he's, he's not being serious, though. Oh, that's true. Vink vanishes, leaving the film canister behind, and then as soon as he leaves, Kristoff is just like, throw it in the trash, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of funny. Well, yeah. Because at first they don't- I mean, they basically have this guy that looks like a hobo with like, you know, a trench coat that looks more like a cape has just come and dropped off this giant film reel, and he did a little magic trick. Everything about it is suspect. At first, they don't show it. Pete sticks the film in the projection booth, and they forget all about it. After a while, though, the future of the Rialto was looking real fucking grim, and Kristoff hitting that flask big time, which I think is pretty wild that they included in a Nickelodeon show was him just taking that flask out and drinking from it. Yeah. I just think, you know, that's life, though. (laughs) I think kids know that. Sometimes you have to hide it, though. Well, yeah. On TV. They would never have that on Nickelodeon today. Yeah, well, it was a better time. So one Saturday night, everything changes. Kristoff gets word the theater is to close in two weeks. Pete is just like, what the hell? <laughs> this is it. I have two weeks left to like make a fucking He's pitch already this. planning a fake party. Uh. So, <laughs> <laughs> Always the last ditch effort. The film canister of Vink's movie now starts glowing red and opening on its own. No one notices this, of course. It's right. just happening up in that room. But for the viewing audience, creepy. Right. The film that they're showing that night breaks and runs off the reel. We get kind of a to funny the, just crowd uproar. reaction. Yeah, the crowd. People just slamming their fists. <laughs> they were really into whatever that old western was. Right. That's the thing that's kind of funny. They act like playing Vink's movie is so crazy because it's this old black and white silent movie, but it seems like the movies that they're regularly showing at the Rialto are old movies. Oh, right. It seems like that's all they show at this place. Right. Certainly, not, they're not showing, like, Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> die Hard. Yeah. Basically, because they have no other choice, P- 
Pete and, and Katie are like, all right, well, let's just play Vink's film as a makeup to these people and see what happens. Because the theaters are going to close anyway. Christoph, who is supposed to be in charge of this, he must be drunk or something. He's hitting the bottle pretty hard. Well, he doesn't know. How is he going to pay his bills? Like, once the movie breaks and it runs off the reel, they never show Christoph again that night. So you're like, what? Well, I feel like there's nights where he just kind of lets the kids have. <laughs> he's like, all right, lock it up. So this movie turns out to be called Nosferatu, the Demon Vampire. Nosferatu, as I said, 1922 film by F.W. Murnau. It's an unauthorized adaptation of Dracula by Bram Stoker. Stoker's heirs sued, and a court ruled that all copies of the film were to be destroyed. Oh, no. However, it was too late because it had already been distributed around the world. Well, there you go. And some copies survived, and it grew to be this famous thing. And yeah, I remember reading about this on Wikipedia before. Generally considered, you know, this insanely important film and now it is considered public domain within the united states i think it's still under copyright protection in germany and places like that but that's how they were able to just use <laughs> pretend this that vink had made a movie that right. was nosferatu yeah. that was that the vampire basically looks the same although the teeth aren't sharp i did notice that he's got yeah. like fucked up teeth but they're not like well that is one weird thing because it's definitely not the classic vampire look with the teeth because it's like you're kind of used to the regular teeth with more of the ones off to the sides being like the fangs and these are just like two fucked up front teeth which i mean i think nosferatu's teeth are fucked up but they're sharp though right so that they could actually bite a okay. neck yeah those the ones in this aren't sharp I, I i'm wondering if they thought that was like too much maybe I don't know. Yeah, it's not quite like the classic like sexy vampire look. It, you know, oh, it's not no. it's, it's a monster. It's not like a Jessica from True Blood or something. <laughs> Jessica vampire waitress. The viewers who stick around are instantly entranced by Vink's film. No Somehow one wants a refund. So into it. We only see like the end of the movie, which is just like the guy who we can only assume to be the hero. you know commenting to himself i must put the coffin in front of the sun and then like literally within two seconds loses to the vampire (laughs) and then credits it's right it's It's, abrupt ending. yeah it's quick well i mean what did you want them to do spend 15 minutes with (laughs) these are short you got to keep this like moving real quick (laughs) yeah that's true it's a race to the finish with these episodes especially since you got to dedicate at least out of what the 22 minutes you, three of those minutes at least are midnight society minutes so it's well, like yeah. really the actual episode's like 19 minutes at probably. this point yeah and at this point they're not checking back in with the midnight society no right? they did this did is they? the last time oh actually, okay oh wow which we'll get to no one wants a refund it's almost like an instant success pete and katie have a celebratory hug where he's like spinning her around and they're kind of exclaiming and he's like let's hug again <laughs> Always a classic move. Yeah, way to play it cool, Pete. But she's okay with it. Yeah. She's definitely warming up to Pete. Well, he even kind of points out that he's like, oh, sorry, sorry. She's like, no, like completely disregards. Yeah, she's like thinking about something else because she's like, this is exactly what Dr. Vink said would happen. Yeah, that's who she's thinking about. It is a smash. They start a Saturday midnight show. It becomes this big cult hit in the city. They got so busy that the owners decided not to sell and close it down. So almost instantly, Vink's prediction comes true. Everything's turning around for the Rialto. And as you pointed out, well, incorrectly, they do (laughs) cut back to the Midnight Society here. 
And this is the last episode of I'm Are You Afraid of the Dark to show a scene with the Midnight Society discussing the story partway through the telling. What was the check back in for this one? What? That's the part where Kristen, Rachel Blanchard, was like, just as Dr. Vink predicted. Oh, she yeah. she eats the popcorn. Oh, my God. It's like, Kristen, you're out of the group. The way well, They all should be out of the group. <laughs> they all react as if this story is so engrossing. <laughs> Can you imagine like listening to somebody where it's... Not somebody telling a true story about something that happened to them, but they're like, this is a story I made up, and then they basically tell you this story. Uh, yeah, I don't know. How long would you stick with this before you were like, all, all right, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> well, yeah, you'd be like, all right, we know where this is heading. <laughs> I will say that a lot of the Are You Afraid of the Dark I knew episodes from the feel the line, same. Like how this was going to end. Oh, I think you can tell how this is going to end as soon as Vink comes in and starts tell- like trying to make a deal with them. Because all of these episodes kind of are like this, where someone makes a deal and then someone doesn't live up to the deal. <laughs> That's like half of the episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Or <laughs> this then, formula. In the end, the villain it's buys the It's the Pied Piper right. formula. <laughs> <laughs> Pete's still trying with Katie. I think things were Relentless about to... Pete. He didn't even get an answer this time, I think, because he's asking her out again, but then Vink shows up. You got to and... give it to Pete, though. Oh, yeah. I will say, if you stay committed, sometimes it can work out. Oh, yeah, definitely. So Vink returns as this is happening. Pete and Katie are gushing, but despite the success of the film at the Rialto, Mr. Kristoff balks at the original deal. He's like, buddy, look, this is a serious theater now. I'm getting A-list movies. Now maybe they are showing Die Hard. <laughs> I like how Die Hard, a movie that came out in what, 1987 is a, or 88, is like a marquee movie to you in 1993. <laughs> what did, what came out in 93? Like Jurassic Park. Yeah. We got Jurassic Park, Vink. <laughs> We're not going to show your silent dinosaur movie with a guy in a suit. Although, Vink did just say one night of the week. Animatronics. They couldn't give him like Sunday. I know. Well, that's the weird thing. He's like, maybe I could give you Saturday at midnight. And I'm like, maybe? It is one of those things, even as a kid, you're like, well, dude, your theater theater was literally closing, and now it's not. Like he said, you know that this is the reason. Right. It's just that greed. Oh, yeah. Vink is like, the story is far, far from over. Yeah. And he's cackling into the night. I'm sure, uh, what's his face, the manager dude is like, all right, well, that's that's the end of it. We won't hear from it. But, I mean, it's just like. All right, I think he's probably going to do something now to us. I feel uneasy about this. I don't know. The whole business model of this Rialto is kind of weird. Do Pete and Katie work every night? How do they have even have money to pay these employees? And then it was dawning on me that like they probably don't even pay Pete because he's just so thrilled to be he's there. He's a volunteer. <laughs> he's volunteering. Yeah. In the immediate aftermath of Vink's reappearance, the success of the Rialto continues and... Nosferatu, the demon vampire, is still played. Can you imagine them showing something that looks like this Nosferatu character on Nickelodeon right now? In a serious context. No, I'm telling you, this episode scared the shit out of me when I was little. No, I mean, there's a lot of things in Are You Afraid of the Dark that they just probably wouldn't even get Uh, close to. No, no, yeah. Including the flask. (laughs) Well, certainly. Yeah, I mean, there's some dark stuff on this show. Yeah. Well, there was a different feel to a lot of Nickelodeon programming. Like, the stuff that they joked about... Rocco's Modern Life. 
Well, yeah, that was made for MTV, and so was Run and Stimpy. But even on a show like Pete and Pete, which isn't anything oh, yeah. overtly bad or sexual or adult, but it's just like the kind of humor that you wouldn't even aim towards kids And it's at just all. like a vibe that's so kind of weird and twisted a little bit that you just wouldn't picture. I think kids would be upset by Pete right, and Pete yeah. today. <laughs> what do you mean mom's got a metal plate in her head? <laughs> Who's this Artie? Yeah. <laughs> this child molester. Seriously. So anyway, Pete wants to study the movie to find out what makes it so magical, and I guess he's watching it after the theater closes one night. I mean, I, where do they live parents? at this I theater? I know, yeah, seriously. Like, <laughs> I know it's not really clear how old these two are, and we kind of talked about it where it's just like, it seems like they have to be post-high school if they're working they at this place. They seem a little like, young after. to be that age, but yeah. Well, yeah, but I'm just talking about within like the logistics of what we're given. They're working there after midnight? At least on Saturday night. I mean, maybe it's like summer. Maybe they're like, well, no, it's not because when they showed Pete handing out those flyers, there was like three oh. feet of snow on the ground. <laughs> well, it's Canada. So Maybe it's like summer in Nova Scotia or something. It's still warm yeah. in Nova Scotia in the summer. So Pete is watching the movie by himself. He nods off, and the movie ends, but not in the usual way. The vampire now turns toward the screen and emerges from it. Now, this made me immediately think of the Purple Rose of Cairo, but huh? the movie, the Purple Rose of the Woody Allen movie, where they I, come I, out I've of never the screen. Seen that. And another one would maybe be like Last Action Hero. Yeah, that things like that, which was maybe seen. that actually I heard I was reading that Last Action Hero came out like right around the same time. Oh period. wow, it would have come out in like '93, same summer as Jurassic Park. That's the movie actually that they were getting. That's the A list <laughs> movie they were getting. Yeah, so it's kind of a a current thing at that time to be characters emerging from a movie and then being a part of it. But I don't know. Pete thinks he's dreaming. You know, he wakes up, the movie's done running and he just assumes he was dreaming. But when the Nosferatu turns to the camera and then starts coming out of the screen, I mean, it's, and he goes from being this black and white thing to coming out and being in color in the real IRL. World. Truly a horrifying look. Yeah, I would Just agree. I'm a telling crazy you. Yeah. look. Now, the teeth do kind of ruin it because they're supposed to be sharp and right. they don't look sharp. Well, he's got so the big, weird hands, too. That's like right out of the, the original. Yeah. Those hands. But yeah, I don't know. The original is crazy. It's crazy that they came up with something that scary in 1922. Yeah. It's scary looking, at least. It's hard to make a silent movie like that scary, but. Pete goes to tell Katie, who's at the snack shack, because she's still working there, apparently. <laughs> they just work 24-hour right. shifts yeah. at this theater, <laughs> about his dream, and somehow it turns into yet another attempt to get with her. Again, I mean, you got to give props to Pete. I mean, he's 24-7. He's on the clock with That's Katie. True, he's like, yeah. if I see an opening, I'm going to try to take it. He's got one goal. The big difference, though, is that this time she says... That the feeling is mutual. She's like, I like you too, kind of a thing. Yeah, she puts it right out there. And they are seriously about to kiss. Like, their lips are getting close to kissing. And then a scream from upstairs interrupts, unfortunately. Because, I mean, this is this aired in, like, what, 93? And they're clearly, I think, supposed to be high schoolers. Like, they're younger, definitely. It's just a really fun, casual, interracial vibe that I just... <laughs> I'm serious. I don't think that you would see this a lot on TV in the in '93. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, especially among like younger characters for a younger audience. Yeah, that's true. 
I mean, how many years? Away? I almost feel bad because I think that the reason that they didn't go through with the kiss was because of the interracial vibe, and they were like, "Well, let's make it just be so that it's interrupted, so you don't." They never actually kiss in this episode. Spoiler. Well, alert. that's a bummer. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Like you don't believe me in 2018. Yes, you you would see this stuff all the time. It's not a big deal, but I just think this isn't something you would see a lot that long ago. I mean, you're talking. Yeah, I mean, this was. Pre-Save the Last Dance. This is what, like 25 years ago? Something like that? 18 plus 7? Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's like 25 years ago. But we're on the 25th anniversary of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. so, (laughs) But I do think, like, because isn't it uh, the manager dude is, like, in his office sitting at his desk or whatever, and the vampire comes in behind him and then, like, bites his neck. Yeah, but you don't see him bite his neck. Right, but you kind of, like, that's the scene. You see him coming to the office, the vampire right? yet. Oh, no, you, you see a shadow coming towards but they okay. are cutting back to them at the snack shack. You don't really actually see very much at all. I'm just saying, like, you ever have that feeling like something's behind you? Yeah. I think that my whole life was formed by this moment of just, like, <laughs> something being behind. I st- I'm still, like, you know... <laughs> Looking me at looking Nosferatu's over my shoulder. is right yeah. there. So the two of them run up to Mr. Kristoff's office to investigate the scream, and Pete and Katie find him slumped over his desk, teeth marks in his neck, the phone oh, no. is dead. Yeah. They run downstairs. Now they're locked in and trapped I do like in that the this, theater. Now this vampire coming off the screen. Yes. We know that he lives within a world in this movie. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? He has the wherewithal to kill the phone line well no i i feel like that's vink oh vink okay all right vink is still involved i think this thing is kind of a mindless horror machine yes which has been said about you (laughs) (laughs) they're trapped now in this theater with the vampire and they eventually actually see it and it starts chasing them around the theater all different parts of it you know whatever Pete concocts a plan real fucking fast. He just is like, Katie. He's got a lot of time. Hey. No, I mean, I don't know. Is it a lot of time? No, I just mean, I feel like he's been preparing for this moment. For the moment that something <laughs> came out of a screen yes. and attacked him. He goes, hey, Katie, put the last reel of Vink's film on so it projects onto the screen in the theater. And she's just like, all right. <laughs> she liked that, him like taking charge of the situation. He runs into the room with the screen and she puts the thing on and pete goes into the movie through the screen the vampire meanwhile was about to attack katie in the projection room when i guess the vampire realized what was happening (laughs) i don't know the vampire doesn't say anything so it's kind of like all right so all of a sudden the vampire's like oh fuck you put the end of the movie on i know what you're doing and he runs (laughs) he runs out into the theater yeah he follows Pete into the screen. Because I guess the stakes to the vampire are if Pete goes in and accomplishes what the hero of the movie was unable to do, that will kill the vampire. Right, but once the vampire runs into the movie screen with Pete, then Pete just kills him by taking the blind off of a window. That's a brilliant move. So he kills him with the sun, but the vampire wouldn't have been killed by the sun if he was still in the real life theater yeah backfired classic backfire i mean i guess it's probably not hard to outthink something that's not real (laughs) i (laughs) I don't know it's kind of actually that you know they reference this movie the midnight society people reference uh fright night as the 
movie marathon or whatever they're going to. I felt but, like that was just the name of the movie marathon. Yeah, right. No, oh, I yeah. know, but I'm just saying, like, this kind of like a Fright Night moment here with the well, sun coming in through the windows. Yeah, it fits with the vampire theme. Pete reemerges successfully from the screen. I was thinking it would be kind of cool if the twist on this ending was that Pete saves the day, but then he's stuck in the movie. Oh, yeah. You know, like, occasionally, Are You Afraid of the Dark would... End on a bad note. Yeah, would it leave it so it didn't end happily ever after? Well, we just rewatched that Dollmaker episode that a lot of people always remember that one, it seems like. Yeah, I definitely remembered that one. But, like, I was thinking that that one ended on a bad note. And, no, it doesn't. Everything works out. There are some that do, but that might not be something that happened super often until maybe, like, some of the later apps. I don't right. know. Most of them, I think, do end happily for the most part, but occasionally they would kind of freak you out. And those ones always, I think, stuck with me more. Oh, as yeah. Kids. I would right. always be, like, upset by that. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's the thing, because you're just like, how does one even cope when it doesn't work out? So, the, yeah, there was definitely, like, a possibility to leave Pete trapped in the movie, but that doesn't happen. Kristoff now awakens. He comes into the theater. He's now okay. And just as they're kind of, like, shaking their heads, trying to figure out what the fuck just happened, Vink reappears in the seats in the theater. <laughs> How the fuck did you get there? And he's saying, like, bravo, as if he watched the whole thing play out, and he's applauding Pete's efforts. And Kristoff kind of suddenly just changes his tune, and he's like, oh, you know what? I will give you that night that you wanted. Yeah. And Dr. Vink is like, well, don't worry about it. I purchased the Rialto. Now I'm going to sh- show my movies every night. Yeah, and he says he has many, many more that are far better than this one, meaning Nosferatu. Now, this is supposed to be the creepy twist. Yeah, and it ends on him cackling. But what's the reality here? He's just going to show his movies every night, and maybe things are going to come off the screen, and maybe I people guess. are going to go to the movie? I don't know. Yeah. Now are Pete and Katie Yeah, keeping their jobs here? I don't know. I was wondering the same thing. Yeah. It's a big deal to Pete. I think Pete could stay on for but, sure. But Pete, yeah, well, yeah. Where are they going to get a better Actually, employee? both of them probably should be. I mean, Kristoff's the only one that's probably going to be fired. I mean, Pete and Katie both seemed enthusiastic about Vink's movie, and both of them were not, they don't actually say anything, but they didn't look thrilled when Kristoff was, like, screwing Vink over and being like, we're not giving you this night. No, because they're honest. They're pure. <laughs> well, Vink is like, Pete, you're irreplaceable. You're on my staff no matter what. In fact, you're the new manager. Katie, I saw you put that used popcorn bucket back in the pile. I like your ingenuity. Yeah. <laughs> you're also in. Yeah. <laughs> I like to save a dime. Yeah. <laughs> the story ends on Vink cackling again, I guess, successfully getting one over on the evil Kristoff theater manager. <laughs> This story apparently was so freaky that Kiki and David are now too afraid to go to Fright Night and give the tickets to Frank. Frank is pretty stoked about it and is just like, Gary, let's go. No, 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 no. No? No. Oh, wow. Way wrong. Gary invites himself. Oh, that's <laughs> along, which that's a I sad love. Move. Yeah. <laughs> he just assumes that he's going. Yeah. It's just like almost like an assumption. Frank's like, look, man, you're cramping my Maybe stuff. Maybe they were like a secret gay couple together. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'd like to get a behind the music of the Midnight Society. You yeah, know and I think I mean? like, you know, they were really. E true Hollywood story, the Midnight Society. Pushing the envelope <laughs> at the time. Yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, there were uh, 91 episodes. I definitely did not watch all 91. I don't. I can't tell you how many I've seen. How many more seasons are readily available on the internet that you saw out there? I think four and five. Okay. I don't know how many that is. That might just be the original run, though. All right. I don't know if the later ones are on DVD, like still, or I don't know. I might I, have to put it in order because I, I kind of feel like we need to keep going now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're way into it now. Right. Some of them are decent. I enjoyed what was that one we watched with uh, the bowling alley and the the guy was in like a car accident. Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Right. Where he ends up the being dream girl dead the whole time. Yeah, yeah the yeah. dream girl. That one was good. The dollmaker right. one is good. Yeah, I think the dollmaker one is just so creepy because it starts off with like a missing girl. It's that classic yeah. trope. Always Some good. of them are kind of hamstrung by how cheap they look true it's hard to get into the story because you're like oh man this looks like it was just filmed on your uncle's old video camera from 1988 you (laughs) know like it's christmas morning 1988 with like the actual (laughs) date up in the corner and you're just like oh man wow bad yeah they're reusing actors it's rough and I don't know. But other times, you can kind of get into it right away, and it kind of has a fun vibe. With the episodes that you were watching, did you see any with that dude Sardo or Sarbo or whatever? I can't remember. Because he's another character that's in it. A, I think, yeah. I think I, he's he might Gary's be a Gary recurring. character, yeah. Because yeah. he's, like, really into... He's a magic shop owner or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Oof, yeah. On November 13th, 2017, it was announced that a film adaptation of the series was in the works at Paramount Players. Writer of the 2017 version of It, Gary Doberman, is set to write the screenplay with Matt Kaplan producing. The film is scheduled to be released on October 11th, 2019. Now, what do you think it's going to be like? It's supposedly an all-new story. It's not going to be an adaptation of any of the stories that appeared on the show. Well, that's good. It will be done in the same format with a Midnight Society introducing a story. A feature-length movie... That starts with a Midnight Society. I don't know so who this is for, though, because it seems like it's too late. Most of the people that were into Are You Afraid of the Dark now are older, and they're less likely right. to go see a movie in the theater. Well, it's weird to stick... And the kids that would be probably... Because I think this is going to be PG, probably. It's weird to stick this format into like one movie. You know what I yeah. mean? Like create- well, maybe it'll be like Creep Show or Tales from the Crypt or something where it's like kind of an anthology. Yeah. Maybe there'll be oh, more that's than one true. story. Oh, that, maybe that's it, yeah. That, Who knows? I, I would be kind of interested in that, actually. I just feel like I'm gonna be. I'm interested in it no matter what. Well, yeah. Well, same. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I like that creep show uh, type thing. I, I think that would be kind of neat to bring that back for a movie. I don't know. I've had no indication that that's what they're doing. But yeah, it, I'm speculating. Now, I, did you see the Goosebumps movie at all with Jack no, Black? Me neither. Although the sequel was coming out, right? Soon is Jack Black in it? I don't it? think he's Me in neither. the sequel, but. That's different though because Jack Black was playing R.L. Stein. That was like more like all of his characters were like coming into the real world or something. That was that was kind of a meta take on the right. idea of yeah. Goosebumps or something. Where this, I think, I, I don't know. It would be cool if they tried to incorporate some of the old Midnight Society people, but I, I can't really see that happening. <laughs> like Forty-five years old. Yeah, it's just who would that be for? Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, they is would there be that much off, demand? <laughs> yeah, they would be better off casting like current Nickelodeon stars or something in some of these things or whatever. So, 
Because I think the movie is going to be aimed towards kids. Like I think it'll be PG or maybe PG thirteen, but I think it's they're <laughs> going to try to recreate the same tone of the show. Right. Which is yeah, it'll be maybe a little creepy for little kids, but it's not going to be like a legitimate horror movie. I don't think. Well, yeah. I don't know, but I, mean, I still think it could be like fun. I, right now, I haven't heard anything saying that they're off their mark for October 11th, 2019, but well, was, I don't think there's any cast information for this or anything, or even a director announced, so who knows? Was the new It PG-13? No, that was That R. was R. Yeah. I couldn't remember. Yeah, I think this will be... This will probably be pretty tame. It's just, can they make it fun? Who knows? I think a big part of why we're even interested in talking about are you afraid of the dark is the nostalgia factor i mean it's not a great show <laughs> well really. hold on yeah <laughs> it's kind of a fun idea especially for its time and f- who it was aimed towards there was nothing else for like sure. that right yeah but the quality is yeah, really it's not, lacking I know. It's in not a great. lot of the apps right. <laughs> i did like that sometimes it feels the acting feels like pop up and you know know. poor reenactments from like i don't know police shows or whatever (laughs) where they would (laughs) yeah like real old unsolved mysteries or something yeah i mean we watched one with melissa joan hart and i saw one with bobcat goldthwaite was in it all right I think he might even be in more than one. Oh, wow. And I know that Bud Nick from Salute Your Shorts was in one. Well, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. I feel like I remember the twins, T and Tamara or whatever. Oh, probably. I feel like they're in an episode later, like in the later run. God, I had like the biggest crush on them. Oh, yeah. Still kind of do. Sister, sister. (laughs) Come on. Forget about it. All right. So, are you afraid of the dark? Yes, we are. Absolutely. (laughs) I still am. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> I think that'll do it for this episode. The greatest October. This was fun, though. We'll I feel continue. like this was a good. I'm I'm glad we dove into this material. Oh yeah, for sure. This was a fun episode to watch. It's a shame that they don't make these easier to track down. I guess they. I know. That's I the did thing. tell you they have that new Nickelodeon classic streaming. I service am interested in called that, like Nick Splat or whatever. I want to know if they have Nick Arcade on there, which I'm sure again would also be like so terrible to watch now. But I always wanted to be on that game show when I was a kid. Yeah, that was a crazy show, right? But and Legends of the Hidden Temple. I didn't like that. So, <laughs> well, I think it's available on Roku, and you can do a free month. All right, so, I, I mean, might give could, it a shot. It's one of those things, though. Where it might be fun to have it for a month or two, but yeah. it's not like there's new content. It's right. just like you're going to watch everything you want to watch, and then what do you do with it? Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> and I'd be, if they had all of Pete and Pete on there, I'd be interested in going back through and I th- watching all of that series. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know if you can like look up what's on there without being a member or not, but uh, I know Are You Afraid of the Dark is on there. All of it. All right. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, so thank you for listening. Follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on iTunes. And stay tuned for more Greatest October in history forever. We'll see you.
There's a pretty young thing in front of you And she's real pretty and she's real into you And then she's sleeping inside of you And the talking leads to touching And the touching leads to sex And then there is no mystery left And it's bad news I don't blame you I do the same thing I get lonely too And your bad news My friends tell me to leave you When I'm not gambling, I am totally thinking about gambling. I mean, that's, it's, it's the rush. Uh, yeah, I thought, uh, thought we'd sneak a couple hands in before my son's party, so. Wish me luck. I can't, I can't believe this. What time is it? I missed my son's party.